The Rebbe starts off the Sikha by saying that in regards to the Isur of Bishulei Nochrim, that means food that was cooked by a non-Jew, we learn out in a way of an Asmachta, that means it's being used as a support, from the Pasuk that says in this week's Parsha, Oichel Bakesef Tashbireini V'yachalti, Umayim Bakesef Titanli V'shosisi. Which means to say that the Yidin came to Sicha and Melech HaMoyri, to the nation of HaMoyri, they wanted to cross their land, and they were saying, we're going to buy your food, and we're going to buy your water. But the Gemara learns out from this, there's a certain comparison between the food and the water. We're putting them both together in this Pasuk. Because what kind of food are they going to buy from the Goyim? Clearly it's going to be kosher food. But there's a comparison made over here, that just like water, even if you cook the water, the water is always going to remain the same. In a similar way, what kind of food are they going to be buying from the Goyim? If it's cooked, if it's going to be cooked food, it could only be the kind of food that wouldn't have changed based on cooking. And therefore, we learn out this concept that there's a problem with most foods. If, you, if a Goy is going to cook them, even if it's technically kosher food originally, the fact that a Goy cooked it is going to be a problem. Now, there's a machloikas amongst the poiskim, whether kalim that absorbed inside of themselves from these from these, from the cooking of a non-Jew, whether the keli is going to be asr, and therefore anything that you cook in the keli will be asr or not. So there are poiskim that hold. Since the whole isr of bishulakum, bishulei nochrim, is the concern is only bishumchasnos, we're afraid we're going to be eating the cooked foods of Goyim, we're going to be sitting down with them together and having a, a meal with them. Chas v'shalom, a yid is going to end up intermarrying with a, with a non-Jewish woman. So, if that's the reason that these Mepharshim, the Paiskim say, we're not going to be concerned if a person is going to eat food that's not cooked by the Goy, it's just cooked in a pot that had originally Bishul Akum in it. Because certainly just having this food now is not going to cause him to intermarry with a Goy. However, most Paiskim are of the opinion that the Kalim are Osir. Why? Because once the Chachamim placed an Isser on something, in other words, now this food that was cooked in the pot, is Asur because of Bishulakum. So now it became like something completely Asur, means it's as if it's inherently Asur, completely, and therefore, if this Isur goes into the pot, it's now a Dvar Isur that's in the pot, and therefore anything going to be cooked in the pot could be a problem and so on. An example for this concept that Ebbe says is similar to a din regarding the Halachish of Schach of Asukah. So you're not allowed to use pieces of wood, boards, that are wide for Tfachim, the halacha is that even if you take those boards, turn them over to the side, so now the side is thinner, there's no fort fachim there, it's still puzzle. Because once this board is considered a puzzle a board, so now it's going to be puzzle no matter how you use it. As the Ragat Shavar explains it, that when you have something that's osur, because of exera, that we're concerned about something else, something else that's osur, so in our case that is, you can't use the regular ceiling of a house for your schach. The concern over here when you use boards that are wide for tfachim is that it looks like the regular boards of a ceiling. We're concerned that you may end up using your ceiling as well. So even though that's the concern, but right now, even though it became awesome because of exera, but now this iser is going to apply even if technically the reason doesn't apply. In other words, we turned it over on the side, but the board became completely awesome. Says the Rebbe, the same thing over here. The reason for the Isra was because of Exeira, because of Chasnus, because of not intermarrying with the Goyim. 
However, again, most of the poiskim will hold that even in this case, it becomes mamish like the Isser itself, like food that's non-kosher, and therefore the Isser is going to apply even in the case where there's no concern of intermarrying. Says the Rebbe, via Shloimar, we could say that a, a, a source for this opinion of most of the poiskim, we could bring a source from this, from a story at the end of Mesechta Avoidah in connection to the halacha of how a knife needs to be koshered, if it was a knife that again absorbed something that was non-kosher, and you want to now use the knife to eat something cold with it. So we're going to learn how that's done and a story associated with this. And if we're going to learn this particular story, that the Easter in that case of that knife, what the Easter problem was, not of non-kosher food, essentially, but it was kosher food, but it was just cooked by a goy. If we learn it that way, then a, quite a number of questions on the story will be solved. So the Rebbe over here is making a siyum on Mesechta Avoidah The story goes as follows in the end of the Mesechta. Mar Yehuda, an individual called Mar Yehuda, and someone called Bati Bartuvi, were sitting in, so, in front of the king, a Persian king called Shvur Malka. A esroig was brought in front of the king. He eats, he sli- takes off a slice, cuts off a slice and eats it himself. He cuts off another slice, slice and gives it to this person, Boti Bartuvi. Then he takes the knife, he sticks it ten times into the ground, as the Gemara says that in order to kasher a knife, so that's one of the ways of kashering the knife, is sticking it into hard earth ten times. He now uses the knife and cuts off another piece of this esrog and he gives it to Mar Yehuda to eat. So, Bati Bartuvi, who was just given the piece earlier without this, the knife being kashered in that way, so he turns to the king and he says, and what about me? Am I not Jewish? So now we're going to have two versions of what it is that the king responded. The first version is that he said, that regarding Rav Yehuda, I'm quite sure that he, I'm certain, that he is someone that stays away from all sorts of Yisurim. He would never eat something that's Osir. But regarding you, I'm not so sure that, you would, that, you're, that you're so careful from Yisurim. And this is why he kashered it for Mar Yehuda, but not for Bati Bartuvi. Then the Gemara says, Ikadamri, another opinion, says that what is it that Shur Malka said? He says, Itkar, you should re- just remind yourself what it is that you did last night. And as Rashi explains, that it was a way of the Persians that they would give women to their guests. They would give them these women to, that they could entertain them with these women. And what happened was that the previous night, when these women were brought to both Rav Yehuda and to Bati, so Bati... He accepted this woman, and he sinned with her, whereas Rav Yehuda didn't. So th- these are the two opinions in the Gemara of what it is exactly that Shmuel Malka had responded, why he didn't kasher the knife for Bati. Now when we learn the story simply, the difference between these two approaches, these two opinions of what it is that Shmuel Malka actually said, according to the first opinion, what the king said was, I'm not so sure about you, whether you stay away from Yisurim. In other words, I'm sure 
Mar Yehuda stays away from Yisurim, I'm just not sure about you. Whereas according to the second opinion, he's actually certain that Bati does not stay away from Yisurim. He's telling him, remember what you did last night with this woman. But if that's the case, says the Rebbe, the question is, it's completely not understood. Since Bati actually had accepted those Persian women the previous night, and he was over on an absolute Isur, so the question over here is, why is the first opinion saying that what Shvur Malka said is only, oh, I'm not sure about you, whether you're careful in these Isurim. Because, says the Rebbe, it's difficult to say that there's a machloikas over here, whether the story happened the previous night. In other words, they're not arguing whether the story happened the previous night or not. What they're just arguing is, which arg- what, what, which argument Shvur Malka actually said? Was it that I'm not sure whether you're careful with the surim of eating? Or did he tell him, or just remember what you did last night? So again, the question that Rebbe is asking, if there's some actual factual story that this body did, why does the first opinion not quote that story? That Shvur Malka would have quoted that story. So the Rebbe now looks at a different approach between Rashi and Toysvus, first of all. And the Rebbe says, Toysvus actually says that Bati had actually not sinned by accepting these Persian women the, night, the previous night. Why? Because Bati was actually an Eved, he was a slave. But he wasn't, at this point, considered a full slave. He was only partially a slave. That is, that he was free to a certain extent, but he wasn't given yet his Shtar Shichrur, that document that actually releases him, which would have made him a complete um, free slave. Now again, reminding ourselves the halachas, we're not speaking about a Yiddish slave, we're speaking about a slave that was a goy, but upon release, he's now going to be a full Yid. At this point, according to Toysavus, an Eved that's partially a slave and partially not, would be mutter, would actually be allowed to, to live with this non-Jewish woman. The Rebbe also looks at, the Rebbe is going to get back to Toysavus soon, but first, the Rebbe is going to look at Rashi. The Rebbe says, Rashi doesn't mention anything about the fact that there was no Isra over here. It seems to me that according to Rashi, Bati had actually done something wrong. And the Rebbe says that we could explain this difference between Rashi and Toysavus, that it's based on actually another disagreement that Rashi and Toysavus have regarding a slave that's not completely free. The halacha is, the Gemara says, that if a person says, I've totally given up on this particular um, lost hope, totally given up on this slave that I have, which as explained over there means that he, it's as if he made him hefker, completely free, that means he's free on to go. So the Gemara says, such a slave, He has no takon, he has no remedy, this is referring to the area of marriage, who he could marry. In other words, the only way he'll be able to marry someone, as we'll discuss in a moment, what that means, is only if he also gets the star, that document that actually releases him. So we have over here machloikas between Rashi and Toysos. What does it mean, Einloi Takono? Rashi says, this man, because he doesn't have the star shikhrur, he was released on the one hand, but he doesn't have the star shikhrur, so he can't marry neither a Jewish woman or a shifcha, another maidservant or a goyesha woman. Why? Because he's partially released and partially not. Toysvis, however, over there, learns different to Rashi. And he says, Ein loy takono means that he's not allowed to marry a regular Jewish woman. 
a free Jewish woman, but a shivcha, a non-Jewish maidservant, this kind of evidence partially released would be allowed to marry. So applying that back to our case, to Bati, since Bati was a person that, he did not get that shtar shichrur. So again, according to Rashi, he wouldn't be allowed to marry anyone. He wouldn't be allowed to live with anyone, not with a Jewish woman, not with a non-Jewish woman. Or the shivcha. And therefore Rashi is saying over here that he would have been usher to that. According to Rashi, what Bati did would have been forbidden. But according to Toysfus, if he's only as a, if he has a star shikh, if he does not have the star shikhrur, so he's partially a slave, partially not, he would be allowed to live with a shivcha as well as a goyish woman. But now let's focus again back on the general story and according to the way Toysfus understands it, that according to Toysfus, Bati had actually not done anything wrong the night before. Because he's partially an Evet and he was allowed to live with this Persian woman. So then the question is, if Bati in fact was not over on any Isur, so why is it that Shvur Malka is accusing him and saying, oh, doesn't matter, I could give you this non-kosher food anyways because you remember what you did last night. Well, he didn't do anything wrong last night. Again, just as a reminder, even an Evet has to eat kosher food, etc., etc., especially these... Um, Especially he's partially released now and so on. The Rebbe doesn't go into that over here. So the Rebbe says, the Ritva says, that Shvur Malka just simply didn't know this. And therefore, he suspected him. He says, just like you weren't careful of the Goyesha woman, so too, he's not going to be careful about this food that was coming from a Goyesha place. And But the truth a matter says, as the Ritva ex- explains, that that's not the case. Because an Eved is warned in all sorts of Yisurim, and just like he's not allowed to eat chazer, he's not allowed to eat nevela, he's also not allowed to eat from any utensils and, 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 and pots that, ha- that were used with these non-kosher foods. But the Rebbe says seemingly this explanation is not so simple and not so smooth. Because Shvur Malka, as we know from other places, and it's evident also from this story itself, was actually Baki Bedinim, he knew the halachas. So it doesn't seem logical to say that he didn't know this halacha, that the Eved is allowed to, to, to live with, it, with this non-Jewish woman. The Rebbe says it's also difficult to say that he didn't know the fact that Bati was partially an Eved, because as the Rebbe says, the Gemara tells of it that Av Yehuda had actually publicized about this. Barabim. The Rebbe says there's some other things in the details of the story that we need to understand. And the Rebbe asks as follows. All is well the fact that Bati took the Esroig from Shvur Malka, and as it sounds from the story, he actually went ahead and ate it. So it, we can understand that we can explain it simply, that why did he actually go ahead and do it? Not because he was not careful in the food that's coming from Goyesha utensils, etc., which could be a problem of that, that absorbed treif and so on, or because he didn't know the halachos of Giyulei Nochrim, that, that, that even a fruit, but if it's being used with utensils of non-kosher food, is going to be a problem. Because from the fact that he says, am I not Jewish, it's understood that he clearly knows these halachas and it's bothering him. So he's clearly bothered by this. So why is it that he ate from it? Because he's making the calculation, if he's not going to eat what the king gives him, it's going to be considered... Very, very offensive to the king. It's like a merida b'malchus. And it might be a, a, a case of pikuach nefesh. His life might be in danger because of this. And we know that pikuach nefesh is doiche kola We have the concept that 
In most things, we say, Yavar, you should do the Aveda rather than letting yourself be killed. But the question is going to be, says the Rebbe, regarding Shur Malka himself. But first the Rebbe says, it, this is not a contradiction to the fact that later, once Shur Malka does protect Mar Yehuda from the Isur, he does say, what, am I not Jewish? In other words, why are you not taking care of me as well? Bati Bartuvi. So obviously it's not a contradiction. Originally he eats it, because it would be a case of Pikuach Nefesh, but later when he sees the king doing this, so then he's wondering why the king didn't try to do it for him as well. But the question does become again on Shvur Malka himself. Number one, says the Rebbe, if Shvur Malka clearly does not want to be machshul, someone with an Isur, he doesn't want to cause someone to do an Isur, so the question then is, is just because he's not sure if Bati is careful with these Isurim, is that a reason enough to be machshilim, to cause him to eat a Dvar Isur? Just because he's not sure whether he cares about the Dvar Isur? Says the Rebbe, even according to the next opinion, that says that Bati was certainly someone that did do an Isur the previous night with that woman. Whether, according to Rashi, in fact he did do an Aveda. Or, as we said... According to Toysvis, that he only thinks he did an Aveda, but really there was no Aveda even because he was allowed to live with this woman because he was an Evid. Even if that's the case, that's still not a reason to cause him to do another Isur. It's possible that Bati Taka couldn't control himself that previous night from this big, big Yetzirah, a very, very big challenge of this Aveda, of living with this woman. And nevertheless, he is careful with non-kosher foods. Especially, says the Rebbe, that the Isser of Znus with a non-Jewish woman, not if you, they're not marrying, and it's only Bitsina, it's considered an Isser. Medrabanon, whereas Giyule Nochrem, eating from the utensils of, that had non-kosher, hot food, etc., is Isser Minatoira. So it could be he just couldn't control himself in that Isser, but why is that a reason that he should, he's, not, he's going to eat non-kosher now? The Rebbe says the question is even stronger. Since Shur Malka is anyways kashering the knife, sticking the knife ten times into the ground for Mar Yehuda, he could have so easily d- done it a few moments earlier before he gives Bati from the Esrig. And in that way he's going to protect Bati from the Isra as well. Why is he delaying sticking the knife into the ground only after giving Bati to eat something that's Osir? So now the Rebbe goes back to what we said before. That is... That till now we were assuming, and this is the way many people learned this Gemara, that what this knife was used with previously was with non-kosher food. But now the Rebbe is going to go back to what we spoke before about Bishulakum. And the Rebbe says the explanation of it is like this. But by first prefacing that the Isur, again, of this knife was not because of general Mahalai Sasuri's non-kosher food. In other words, that it absorbed from foods in Shvur Malkus's palace says the Rebbe, because being a Melech, and as the expression is, Klum Chaser Lebeis HaMelech, is anything lacking in the house of the king, in the house of the king, everything is, is in an abundant way. Says the Rebbe, it doesn't make sense to say that they're going to be using in the palace the same knife to cut fruits, in this case the Esrig, the same fruit knife that's usually used to cut hot meat or other similar foods. Surely, there were special fruit knives and therefore, the knife had no problem with non-kosher food. What was the issue with the knife? It was the, the issue was, again, because Bishul Akum. It was because of cutting fruit, cooked fruit, 
and fruit that was charif, that has a certain sharpness to it. And therefore, what the knife had absorbed, the problem was bishulay nachrim, the concept of bishulakum, that's what it had absorbed. Which again, going back to the beginning of the sicha, this was the topic that we started speaking about, that there are, most of the poiskim say, we explained that even for Bishul Akum, there's going to be a problem with the utensils that we use with it. So if we learn that this was the story over here, now all the questions will become clarified. Says the Rebbe says, now we can understand why, again, the second opinion in the Gemara, what does Shmur Malka say? Itkar, my, my, remind yourself what you did last night. Says the Rebbe like this. We said earlier that what's the reason for the, the Isra of Bishul Akum? is because we're concerned that if you're going to have, you're going to eat cooked foods with the goyim, etc., could chas v'shalom lead to intermarriage. However, if Bati himself, according to Toysus, is allowed to ma- live with a non-Jewish woman, he's allowed to marry a non-Jewish woman. So if that's the case, there's no isur of bishulakum. The whole point of Bishulakim was because of the concern you might marry a non-Jewish woman, but if for someone that has no, that there's no Isur to marry a non-Jewish woman, there's no, there's not, not gonna be an Isur of Bishulakim. And even if, even though we said as we said before, that once something is Asur because of Bishulakim, it's gonna become like the actual Isur itself as we explained at the beginning of the Sikha, and it's going to remain Asur even in a case where technically the reason doesn't apply. But that's not the same in our case in the story of Bati. And the Rebbe says two points. Number one, says the Rebbe, this idea that we say, that something becomes like the Isser itself, that's only Shaykh when you're speaking about a particular item, a particular piece of food, a particular object, or whatever it is. And we're going to say that once it became Osur, it's going to become Osur in every single situation. Whereas, in a case that... Seichel will dictate, logic will dictate, that the Isser L'Chathchila doesn't even apply to this thing, because the whole reason for the Isser, in this case, totally doesn't apply, and as in our case itself, we can understand that the concept of the Isser of Bishul Nachrim is not going to apply in certain cases, because in certain areas we say there's no concern at all of the Isser of Chastens of intermarriage, and therefore, in our case, it wouldn't apply to Bati. But in addition to this, says the Rebbe, the fact that we say that the Isser remains, even when the reason for the Isser is bottle, only means that there's no chashash. In other words, what did we say before? Even if it's in a case that there's no actual worry that you're going to get married, nevertheless... The, the actual Isser of Hasna still exists. In other words, we might say about a certain thing that even if we're not worried in this case it's going to lead to marriage, the object is still going to be Osir. But what about if there's no problem with the marriage at all? In our case, by body, there is no Isser of marriage. So there's no room to say, it doesn't make sense to say, that the Isser of Hasna, the Isser of marriage doesn't apply. That's mutter for body. And yet he should be Osir to have Bishulakum, which might lead to marriage. That was according to Toysfus. What about according to Rashi? So the Rebbe explains it now, a very interesting thing as well. The Rebbe says similarly, when we speak about what Shmur Malka is saying, according to Rashi, what he says, remind yourself what he did last night, which according to Rashi we said, he was mamish over on an Isur by living with a non-Jewish woman, even though he's an Evid, or partially an Evid. So according to this, what Shmur Malka is saying, 
If the whole point of the Easter of Bishulakum is only to protect you from a non-Jewish woman, so Shvur Malka is of the opinion, it doesn't make sense to try to protect Bati from the fence for this Easter. In other words, for Bishulakum that might lead you to intermarriage, if you're not even caring and not even careful about living with a non-Jewish woman at all. What's the point of making the Gzaira for it? Says the Rebbe, now we can explain. We asked a question before, why does the first opinion that says, I'm not sure how careful you really are with eating Dvarim Asurim, why don't they say, we asked before, why don't they say the clear fact, why didn't, that Shur Malka just clearly said, yes, you were over Easter last night. So now the Rebbe is going to look at that there's really another reason for Bishul Akum that's brought. Besides the reason for the concern of intermarriage, there's another reason. And that is, we're concerned that if a Yid's going to be eating with a Goy, so it could end up that the Goy is going to give him something non-kosher to eat. In other words, nothing to do with intermarriage, we're actually concerned of him ending up eating something non-kosher. Says the Rebbe, these two opinions in the Gemara, of what it is that Shvur Malka said, I'm not sure whether you're careful, uh, how careful you are of what you eat, Yisurim, or whether he told him directly you did an Isra last night by, li- by living with this non-Jewish woman, is actually the difference between these two opinions is dependent on what they consider the main reason for Bishulakum. According to the second opinion story in the Gemara, the second version in the Gemara, that what he said was what you did last night, according to them the main concern is actually marriage. And therefore, when he says, Itkar Mai, remind yourself what you did last night, so that's now going to explain, as we said before, why there's no concern, why, why Shvur Malka is saying there's no concern of you eating from that food. Again, the two reasons are, either according to Toysavis, because if he's even allowed to marry a non-Jewish woman, so, so surely there should not, not be any reason for him not to have Bishulakum, which is about leading to non, marrying non-Jewish women. According to Rashi, slightly different, that if you don't care anyways about living with non-Jewish women, so then what's the point of being careful with Bishulakum? But according to the first explanation of the Gemara, the first explanation was that I'm not sure whether you're careful in Yisurim, meaning about eating us or food, so according to the first opinion, the main reason for Bishul Akam was this concern about not coming to eat non-kosher food. So if that's the case, what is the point of mentioning what he did last night? It has nothing to do with living with, living with non-Jewish women. The whole point of Bishul Akam is only the concern of eating non-kosher food. And that's what Shvur Malka is telling him. The Easter is about non-kosher food, and, and, and therefore I'm not sure whether you're careful. However, says the Rebbe, there's still a problem. According to this opinion, that says that the whole Easter is mitzad, the concern of not eating kosher food. And Shur Malka is saying, look, I'm not even sure if you care about eating non-kosher food. The problem is, just because I'm not sure, is that an excuse to cause you to eat something also? Another question that Rebbe has is, according to Rashi, and the second opinion about what he did last night, the problem is, so yes, even if Bati is taken not careful, with living with a non-Jewish woman. And therefore, there's no absolute necessity for Shvur Malka to try to protect him from, from uh, the Siog, from Bishul Akum, which would lead to marrying non-Jewish woman. But still, wouldn't have it been better that he still takes that knife and kashas it before he gives Bati to eat from this Esrog? 
So just do it a little bit earlier. It's no, there's no extra bother over here. He's going to do it anyways for Mar Yehuda. So just do it earlier. And in that way, Bati will also avoid the Caesar. Says the Rebbe, the explanation is, we have a halacha. Someone that was appointed with a high position over the community is now no longer allowed to do melacha in front of people, in front of three people. Certainly a melech is not allowed to do melacha in front of people. The Rebbe says, even though we're speaking about a goy over here, Shvur Malko was a goy, the halacha is, this, this halacha is not just a halacha that we don't understand the reason. It's a milsa betaima. It's a halacha that we can understand the reason. And this reason applies fully to a Goyish king as well. And especially the way the Goyish king is going to act concerning himself. In other words, we understand this concept that we need to have the respect for the king. And in fact, Yidin are in the respect for Goyish kings as well. And the Rebbe explains, because this idea of having that full respect, the Rebbe says, Kavad HaMelech is something that's negated to what's called Yishuvay Shaloylam. In other words, for the world to be a proper, normal place to live in. Because as the Mishnah says in Pirkei if not for fear of the government, then people would be swallowing each other alive. B'nai Noyach are also obligated to this, and therefore, the Chiyuv of Kavid applies to Yidin as well, even on the non-Jewish kings. Says the Rebbe, following from this logic, so as because of Kavid HaMelech, again the king not working, not putting himself down, degrading himself in front of other people, Shvur Malka was actually not allowed to stick this knife into the ground in front of Bati and Mar Yehuda, to do this work, this assistance for Bati and Mar Yehuda. And furthermore, says the Rebbe, since Bati is going to eat the Esrog anyways, even without it being stuck on the ground, he's not going to be over any Isra with this, and therefore, says the Rebbe Adarab, he's actually chayiv to eat it because of a concern of pikuach nefesh. And if he's going to eat it anyways, and he has to eat it because of this chash of pikuach nefesh, Shvur Malka is now not going to be allowed to stick it into the ground for him. He gives it to him without sticking it into the ground. So why is he doing it for Mar Yehuda? So what does he say to Mar Yehuda? About you, I'm certain that you wouldn't eat this. What's he saying? He doesn't, he's not only saying, I'm sure that you wouldn't eat a Dvar Isur, and about Bati, I'm not sure whether you eat a Dvar Isur. What he's saying is, I'm sure about Mar Yehuda that there's no way he's going to eat from this Esraik, even if Minhadin is allowed to eat from it, because of this situation that the king is giving it to him, and so on and so forth, and even if there's a concern of Pikuach Nefesh, he might even lose his life over it. I'm sure that Mar Yehuda is still not going to eat it from it. The Rebbe says, especially if we want to say that this is the same Rav Yehuda that the Gemara says about him, that he's from those earlier people that would be Moiser Nefesh Al-Kiddush Hashem, and even in cases where they're not chayif for it. So now Shvur Malka is, so to speak, obligated to kasha the knife for him, because he's not going to eat it in any other way, even if it's going to cost him his life. Whereas for Bhatti, since I'm not sure about him, says Shvur Malka, what is he not sure about? It's not about that he's not sure whether he's going to separate from his surim chas v'sholem. But rather he's not sure whether Bati would be Moiser Nefesh or such a thing. So as a king, he's not allowed to give up of this honor and do malach of sticking it into the ground for him. And the Rebbe concludes with a powerful hero in Avodah Hashem. The Rebbe says, what do we have over here? In front of Shul Malkar are sitting two Jews, two people, that are both obligated in the covenant the honor of the king. One of them is sitting in fright for this non-Jewish king, 
And, be, and as a result of this, he's going to eat, he's eating from the fruit that Shmur Malka has cut for him with a knife that's not kosher. He's finding a heter for it, there's pikuach nefesh and all of that. But this yid doesn't get the proper respect and, and, and from the king. It's Dafka the second Jew, that Shmur Malka is certain about him, that he's not going to be over on Esau, even if he's going to offend the king. It's going to be Nogayin the Kavid HaMelech. Even to the extent of Mesiras Nefesh, he's even going to be ready to lose his life for it. Specifically this Yid, not only does he find favor in the king's eyes, but on the contrary, Shmur Malka himself gives up on his honor, and he goes through the bother to go and do the work for Mar and Kasha the knife for him. Seemingly, he could have called in one of his Misharsim and asked one of his assistants, one of his servants, to, to stick the knife into the ground, or even to ask Mar Yehuda to do it himself. What do we see over here? That when a Goy sees in front of himself a Yid, that's a Yerei Shomayim, someone that's staying away from Yisurim to the extent of Mesiras Nefesh, then the Goy considers it as an honor to himself, and the honor of the king, to be able to assist, to be able to serve this person. And not only to serve him, but to actually help him along, physically, and in all the Hidurim al-Pidin, to be able to do everything in the most proper way, that Mar Yehuda should be able to eat this Esroig, Sorry, because as we said before, Mariuda was able to eat this esteroid, even without sticking in the ground because of Kavad HaMelech, etc., etc. And yet, here he's helping this Yid, Rav Yehuda, to be able to do it with all the Yidurim, not relying just on these Eterim. Says the Rebbe, and through this Hanaga, we actually have the Siyum for Avoid Zorah. That is, we're Mavatl, all the Inyarim of Avoid Zorah of the world, and it becomes Vahisala Hashem Hamlucha in the whole world Vahoya Hashem Lumelech al Kala Aretz Bakarif Mamash.